Welcome to Water from the Well, a work of the Church of Christ in Santa Clara. In today's Water from the Well, we do another episode of Why I Believe. And I'm here today with Josh Lewis and Josh Carter from the San Francisco Church. And um, they're going to share with us uh, how they became Christians and a little bit about the work in San Francisco. Welcome. Thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for us back. Yeah, Definitely. Thank you, you for having us. No problem at all. Um, I'm going to ask you first, uh, and I'll start with Josh Lewis. Uh, how did you come about being a Christian? I guess it started with um, some of my family. Um, just to go a good ways back in my family, I believe the first Christian that I know about being in my family was my grandmother, my mom's mom. And uh, her and her husband became Christians when they actually moved to Oregon from Alabama. And through a long journey of their own, living in Oregon, they became believers and were baptized. And then they moved to Chicago and they kept learning there. And so eventually by the time my mom was born, uh, she was growing up in a Christian home. Um, And so my mom grew up uh, learning the Bible and being taught the truth. And so as she became a young woman, she was herself baptized. And so by the time I came along, uh, much of my family, you know, my mom was one of five girls. So much of my aunts and uncles and cousins, they were all believers. And so I grew up in a family um, that valued those things. Mm-hmm. And my my parents themselves, you know, kind of had their own journey like most of us. They had their own highs and lows and their own yeah. faith. And so there were some times in our lives where we weren't in church, we were in church, mm-hmm. um, things like that. And so in the times that we weren't um, actively pursuing Christian things and faith and discipleship, I had aunts and uncles still influencing mm-hmm. me. And then there were times in my life where that was more important to us and we were a little stronger in our faith as a family and we were going to church. And so through my own parents' influence and particularly through like aunts and uncles and grandparents and things like that, I was kind of brought along. Mm -hmm. And so eventually when I was, I think 14, maybe 15, I can't remember exactly. I myself obeyed the gospel primarily because of the influence of Mm -hmm. those family members, but also I had begun to have friends that were also believers. And you know, when you're 14 or 15, you want to be like your friends. <laughs> and certainly I don't mean to say that I only <laughs> became right. a believer because <laughs> I was trying to copy my friends, but they were a positive influence sure. on me as well. So I felt a lot of positive reinforcement from a lot of different directions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's uh, the summary of kind of where I began to believe and how those influences kind of played out in my life. Let me ask you a couple of questions though. Um, the, uh, I found it interesting that you said that you know your your core family sort of had your ups and downs spiritually, but uh, it's amazing to see how important that uh, outside influence is. You know, folks outside of just your core family, friends, uh, family members who are faithful, because I, I think that that's a, uh, a a strong influence on especially younger people. Um, you know, I value so much uh, the other members of the church here who my kids are close to because I think that's helped them to uh, to to have an anchor of their faith. You know, we used to drop my oldest, Nico, off at bi- a, an adult Bible study when he was like 15 years old. And we wouldn't even go in. We'd just drop him <laughs> off and let him go in. And the reason was we wanted him to have an individual 
life as a Christian. Uh, you know, not just because mom and dad are going, but okay, Nico, we're going to take you to your Bible study. And I think that made a difference for him. But uh, did you have any experiences like that? Yeah, most definitely. So around that time, you know, 15, 16, I really started to form a really close-knit group of friends uh, that were Christians that I even have to this day. And I would not say that I was a very mature person in general, let alone a Christian. Um, I mean, obviously, I was 15 or 16, so that comes right. with a lot of its yeah. own m- immaturities. Yeah, but I mean, excuse. <laughs> right, right, right. And I definitely leaned into that excuse. But, uh, <laughs> but even then, when I thought I was taking my faith seriously, yeah. I wasn't in hindsight. And it didn't take, you know, I'm, I'm 29 now. It doesn't take a 29-year-old version of me to understand that. The 17-year-old version of me right. understood at 15 <laughs> that I was being dumb. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, had, I had great friends. And, you know, certainly in their own immaturities as well, they were trying to grow in their faith, but they were much further along in their obedience and their discipleship than I was. And they began, um, like, weekly Bible study in my friend's apartment, who was a few years older than us. And it was just, you know, like, college-age kids and teenagers that were coming to this. And I just kind of committed to going to it every week as a Mm 16-year-old. My friends had to pick me up because I couldn't drive. Right. But for the same reason that you're talking about, that kind of influenced me in a positive way not to succumb to the same kind of cycles I had seen in my own family of the ups and the downs. Yeah. And sometimes you're in it and sometimes you're not. Right. And and that really reinforced in me that this is something that isn't just Sunday or, you know, around a certain person. Mm-hmm. It was something that you pursue every day. Right, yeah. right. Good. All right, thanks. Josh Carter, you're up. So I became a Christian when I was eight years old in 1999. I remember I was in the second grade. And uh, I feel like that is a detail that I kind of have to explain a little bit because (laughs) I've been around a lot of eight-year-olds. And uh, (laughs) sometimes it just – it's honestly been something that I've thought about over the years about, like, did I really know the commitment that I was Mm -hmm. making? Mm -hmm. Was I ready to make that decision? Mm -hmm. And the more I've reflected on it, the more that I've gotten some peace about that. And so mm-hmm. I thought that maybe I'd like explain a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's been said that God doesn't have any grandchildren, and that's true. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what you're talking to Josh about uh, with developing his own faith. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I I do feel like you know I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. Like, right, right. I owe my faith to a sincere faith that was passed down to me from from godly people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about Timothy and his mother and his yeah. grandmother mm-hmm. and, and how that worked. Um, but it was it was a faith that I developed um, on my own. And, you know, I think one factor in all of that is uh, I was always... Um, I always did really well in school academically and I was, you know, I caught on quickly to mm-hmm. learning and and I, I say that just as humbly as I can. I'm yeah. talking about like <laughs> learning like arithmetic and things like right, that. It's right. nothing to really be proud of. It's just uh, an ability and a skill that I think that God gave me. Mm-hmm. And so like that was a factor in being able, I think, to understand mm-hmm. things at a young age. Right. And then that with... Um, having really godly parents who were Mm -hmm. really intentional about wanting me to learn about God and develop my faith resulted in me making that commitment at a very early age. Um, And as I've thought more about it, 
I remember specific conversations that I had um, about that decision and, and just really agonizing about, you know, when I would be ready because I knew that being a Christian was something that I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And specific conversations that, that I had with my dad telling him that I knew that I had sinned and I knew that I wanted to be forgiven and, and I was moved by the great sacrifice that I knew that Jesus had made for me and I wanted to dedicate my life to him. And, and so I, I understood those fundamental things at a young age mm-hmm. and decided to, to dedicate my life to Christ. And then, much like what you were talking about with Josh, um, and I could go into more detail if you wanted to, but there were mm-hmm. certainly pivotal points in my life mm-hmm. at which um, you know, I, I dedicated myself further and just kind of solidified more uh, being serious about the decision that I had made. Right. And so there were, hopefully my, my whole life is, is a continuous period of growth, but there were also very significant like moments mm-hmm. of... Um, just becoming more dedicated to the yeah, Lord. Yeah, so. good, good. You know, um, I uh, everyone that I've interviewed so far has uh, grown up in a Christian home, <laughs> and uh, except for me, <laughs> I actually I didn't. Uh, uh, my family had a respect for God, but um, but I didn't I didn't really learn what I needed to learn until I was twenty seven. So I was, uh, you know, almost fully baked there, and uh, I learned what I learned really on my own. Um, you know, Marie uh, introduced me to some things, and uh, you know, we were dating at the time, but I didn't want to go to church because of her. And as as people famously know, I used to drop her off at Bible study or worship service or whatever, go do something else, and come back and pick her up. Mm-hmm. And it's funny now where I'm at in life to think that I ever had that frame of mind, but. Um, it, you know, the the thing that I find uh, interesting, though, is when I talk to people who grew up in Christian homes, I, I see the other side of it as being a parent uh, raising my children. And all three of my children got baptized pretty as what people would say pretty young, you know, right around that, between that 10 to 13 uh, year old. And um, initially when they came to me, you know, I felt like they maybe they weren't ready. Maybe they were just following what mom and dad are doing and everything. But... Um, what you mentioned, Josh, Josh Lewis, about the uh, about the influence of life, and also what you mentioned, Josh Carter, about just the seriousness of it. Those things, I think, led to my kids understanding the seriousness of it, understanding exactly what it was at an earlier age. And so um, we put them through the the Mike Wilson test, though they had to go and sit in the office with Mike and convince him, <laughs> and uh, all three of them did. And so uh, it, it's it's something that I think that there's an old school thought that, okay, you have to be uh, at the age of accountability, and who knows what that is. But I think a lot of folks think it's like 18 or above. Um, but I don't really believe that anymore, basically because of what I saw through my kids. And I had to accept, you know, they understand. What I read in God's Word, they understand that, and they're able to reflect that back to me. And since they can do that, who am I to stop them from getting in the water? Right. So. Yeah, I, I worked with um, a, a wonderful man in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, named David Maxson. And I remember talking with him about my own decision to follow the Lord and, and how that played out. And, and he shared with me his approach to his own children, which I thought was very helpful, about how he wanted them to convince him yeah. that that he couldn't stop them from making that commitment. Right. And And he knew that when his kids came to him saying, like, I've decided this, you know, I'm not asking for permission from you. 
I'm telling you this is my decision that you know that was when they had made their faith their own yeah yeah um I'm going to ask you now, uh, and I'll start with Josh Lewis. Uh, was there a point in your life where your faith was tested? I mean, the short answer is yes. <laughs> the question would be rather, when was there not a point ah, that it was tested? Okay. <laughs> um, I guess on one hand, if someone's listening to this podcast that doesn't come from a background like mine, mm-hmm. they might hear what I'm about to say and maybe have their own perception of what a test should be. I mean, I... I I am privileged and I'm thankful for the opportunity to have grown up around people who valued God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it wasn't always in my house or maybe sometimes were better or worse than others, I had access to that. I had people that valued that always. And so right. there are certain tests that I will have never faced in my life. You know, I don't share your background and the tests that might've come with that. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I look to one kind of particular point similar to what Josh Carter was saying that you have these kind of crucible moments that kind of form you further. Yeah. And I moved away for college. Um, my birthday's in April and I turned 18 and I had decided to move away for school. And instead of waiting till August to move away for school, I moved away as soon as I possibly could find a job Mm -hmm. where my school was. And so by June I was gone And when I moved away, I had a lot of ideas about what that would mean for my life, as uh, many of us do. And almost none of them played out, (laughs) (laughs) as uh, plans sometimes shake out that way. And and through that process, though, moving away from family, moving away from many of the friends that helped Mm -hmm. kind of like form me, um, moving to a place where I was responsible for myself. You know, I was paying for my school. I was paying for my bills. I was working. I was going to school. Being in a, a church that didn't know me, didn't know if I had a reputation, good or bad, didn't know my family, didn't know anything like that. I remember like maybe a month after moving or somewhere around there, I just had kind of a, I literally woke up one morning with the thought already in my head, like I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no like leash. There's no tether keeping me to any one idea or any one place or person. And I remember thinking at that very moment, like, what am I going to do with myself? Mm And I remember like very like almost audibly saying to myself, like, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to like teach a Bible study. I'm going to, and I'm not saying I was good at any of those things or helpful (laughs) at them or anything like that. But just for some reason, it clicked in my head in a positive way that like I'm on my own and subsequently I need to be who I should be. Good. good. Um, And so I would look to kind of that as a test Mm -hmm. and I'm glad that. I had the mindset that I had at the time to like not get beaten down by being somewhere new without Mm -hmm. those connections. And I just kind of took it as like, all right, I'm going to charge ahead. But that was probably the first time in my life as a believer that I didn't have a direction and I felt a little bit lost Mm -hmm. and I got frustrated a lot with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but seemed to kind of push through by God's grace and yeah. kept the mindset because of the influence of my past. Right, um, right. So I'm thankful for that test, and I'm thankful that I answered it the way that I did. Amen. Yeah, that's that's a, a good one because uh, once you're out there on your own and your own your own man, you know it, it, it's uh, the temptation to just you know test the water, see what else is out there. You know, fortunately, you had a foundation that was strong enough. To keep you on the right path so yeah thank god for that josh carter okay yeah so i guess i'll speak to a couple of those pivotal moments in my life 
um, that served as tests to my faith and really as catalysts to um, helping my faith to grow. Uh, one of those was when I was 15 years old and I went to a Bible camp in Alabama. And I remember showing up at this camp thinking arrogantly that like I'm going to be one of the most like <laughs> mature young guys here. Like I'm, I'm going to know the Bible better than most people. I'm going to have better ability than most people. Like a very just prideful, self-centered kind of mentality. And being there around a lot of other young guys who were honestly just a lot more sincere than I was, a lot more humble than I was, really revealed a lot of deficiencies to me. Mm. Um, and a pivotal person that I met there was Ben Hall. Uh, he's been a good friend and mentor to me for years now. And uh, it just really challenged me to see that you know, my faith is something that needs to grow, that I don't need to be content with some arbitrary, like, comparing it to somebody mm -hmm. else, but, mm -hmm. like, seeing people who are just really sincere about their own relationship with God really mm -hmm. just propelled me to, to, to really, like, have a completely different angle to my faith. Right. Um, and then from there, uh, when I was 19, I was a freshman in college, and I had a similar experience to, like, what Josh Lewis was sharing, this newfound freedom and mm -hmm. and the temptations that come from it but then also just finding an opportunity to to really dedicate myself personally to what i believed mm -hmm. um a, a pivotal person there was blake edwards who's a good friend of mine still and and his just sort of way about like deciding what he's going to do and just doing it mm -hmm. uh really made an impression on me and 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 encouraged me to do things like start Bible studies and, and like mm -hmm. plan events and try to reach out to people and things like that. So that was pivotal. And then uh, while I was in college, I started listening to a lot more sermons online. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I found uh, a preacher named Andy Cantrell and yeah, I know listened, Andy. listened to a lot of his sermons mm -hmm. while I was in college and totally just kind of like transformed the way that I approached the Bible, like right. reading it and thinking about it and applying it. And so those were like three specific people that tested my faith in a way that it like revealed deficiencies and propelled me to to grow to be more like those people in, in different ways, I think. Yeah. And then honestly, the mo the biggest test of my faith, I mean I've had tests of my faith um, in various ways, like suffering and, and, mm -hmm. and things like that of, of family and but the biggest test of my faith has been moving out here to the West Coast. I would imagine. And, <laughs> and, and it was a very intentional test. Like yeah. it, it was something that Josh Lewis and I had talked about, and Katie and I, my wife, had talked about, about like coming out here to do this, we are willingly putting ourselves out mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. to see, you know, what is our faith made of. Right. And um, I think that when we put ourselves in those kinds of situations, that God blesses us, and mm -hmm. I, I have recognized more like ways that I could grow. Mm -hmm. But I think I've also grown in ways over the past year that yeah. I wouldn't have if I hadn't subjected myself to a test of mm -hmm. faith like this. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, good, good. And actually, you uh, helped me to segue into the next question, <laughs> which is, how did you meet your wives? I'll start with Josh Lewis. Yeah, so I wish I had some like really elaborate romantic story about this. Um, 
it was what essentially boiled down to mutual friends. Um, mm. I, I was living in Alabama at the time and I had some friends that lived in Atlanta where I would later move to and live for a handful of years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they were a part of a Bible study event that happened around the new year. And so I had known about this event. I'd been to it before and in talking to them, they were saying, Oh yeah, we're going to it. And I was like, Oh, I'll make a trip down. I'll see you guys there. I want to go to the Bible study. It'd be great to see you as well. Blah, blah, blah. Well, little did I know that they had met a woman in Mississippi, a young woman named Kirby, um, that they had also invited to this event and she had never heard of it. Didn't know about it. I don't think And so she had decided to come from Mississippi for this Bible study around the new year. And I don't think they were intending for us to to meet and date and later get married or anything. But when I got there and I saw my friends from Atlanta that I was trying to like visit with at this Bible study, they were talking to this girl that I didn't know. And I was kind of annoyed at her because I wanted to talk to my friends and she was sitting there talking to them forever. And I was standing in the background for probably 20 minutes waiting for her to get done talking to them. And I finally got over to talk to him, and lo and behold, that woman that was holding me up and making me frustrated was someone that I would later date and get married to. So um, it was not a setup, <laughs> but uh, it was it was mutual friends and I would say like a mutual interest in spiritual things that brought us together. It was um, set up by the Lord. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Great. Josh Carter. Yeah. Um, so Katie and I, uh, started dating when I was 17 and she was 15 and we are the rare case that <laughs> high school romance worked mm, out, you know? Okay. Um, we, we joke sometimes. It's like, I, I guess we just had an arranged marriage yeah. and, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe people, uh, in California aren't shocked that somebody in Alabama would have something <laughs> like that, but we, uh, we are not related. I'm going to say that on the record. Uh, <laughs> Except by marriage now. Yeah, right? that's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, not coerced by our parents <laughs> or anything like that, but it's funny. Uh, our families were both good friends, um, before, you know, we took an interest in each other. Okay. I was really good friends with her cousin, uh, Tyler Searcy and his brother Mac. And, and so it's just kind of a funny thing. We, we grew up in the same local congregation. Uh, mm-hmm. Our fathers are both elders there now. Mm-hmm. And um, they were good friends with each other. And uh, when we were in high school, we just uh, took an interest in each other. And looking back, um, we were both just young, dumb kids, <laughs> and, and we've raised each other in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, think. I understand that. Yeah. Um, she, she in her present maturity would not have been able to stand me at 17 <laughs> years old, and uh, I'm sure it works the other way too, but, but thankfully, we have um, helped each other to grow and mature over the years, and we, uh, we were a year apart in school, and so... Long story short, I went to Auburn University a year before her. We ended up finishing our degrees at the same time, and we got married while we were there in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, I think, I hope that, that we are a story of two people who have been and are continuing to be totally transformed by the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, uh, that process has been... <laughs> I don't know, like a consistent speed between the two of us that we've been able to help each other and not annoy right, each other right. too much throughout it. So yeah, um, yeah. we've changed a lot over the years, but it goes all the way back to high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, the two of you have adopted a child, yeah. and um, 
Let me ask you, how did that come about? Was it an idea that the two of you had ahead of time that you were going to do this, or was it just uh, some circumstances that came about where you ended up adopting? Yeah, adoption is an idea that Katie had always just really thought was a beautiful mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and we knew that when we got married that we wanted to have children, and um, when the time came for us to like actually start a family, that was a conversation that we had based on Katie's feelings about adoption from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And at the time, we had known several people who had done that, and we had seen um, just the way it had impacted them and their families, and just it, it just really seemed like it was a good fit for, for what we wanted to do. And so mm-hmm. um, we found uh, Dana and David Carroza out of Folsom, California, and Sacred Selections has been an amazing organization that yeah. has um, fund, helped to fund uh, our adoption. And, yeah. and I, I know people adopt for a lot of different reasons, mm-hmm. and I think that primarily ours was recognizing the fact that we have been adopted by God mm-hmm. and Amen. we want to reflect that kind of relationship to the world in, in a real way, mm-hmm. recognizing responsibilities that God gives us to, to care for people like orphans mm-hmm. and widows. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, not coming at it with some kind of like savior mentality because right. there's no doubt that Milo has brought us <laughs> an infinite amount of joy and it's, sure. <laughs> you know, he has impacted our lives in a beautiful way uh, as much as we've impacted his. And, right. But uh, the short answer is, is, is something that Katie herself was always interested in. And mm-hmm. we just want to live our lives in a way that intentionally reflects the way God loves us. Yeah. Good. Good. You know, um, Marie and I have adopted two and uh, two of our three kids are adoptive kids. But uh, it's interesting what you said there because um, we never really have that mentality that, you know, well, we've rescued these children from the right. streets. You know, those are my kids. Right. And, um, you know, it was a huge change in our lives. And we just had Nicholas initially, and, and uh, we, uh, we tried to have uh, more children. We lost a child and just sort of didn't want to go through that uh, anymore. Um, you know, Marie miscarried, and uh, it was just a hard day. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we just determined, well, you know, uh, since we were dating, we talked about the kids we wanted. We talked about we want to have a boy, a girl, and a boy. And, um, and so we, we figured at that point, well, maybe it's just going to be a boy. <laughs> but um, but I, was, I was working here at the church with uh, Clyde Wilson. I, I did some part-time preaching at that time. And Marie sent me over an email with a picture of those two, Jay and Renee. And I looked at them. And I was like, these are my kids. I just need to go get them, you know. And uh, sure enough, it, it worked out. And uh, I, I don't even really remember much of life as a parent before having those three, you know. And I don't think of them as, you know, these outside kids or whatever. I told Nicholas, when we uh, were about to adopt, I said, okay, this is your decision too because you have to understand when they come here, they're going to be equal to you except for you'll be the older and be able to boss them around a little bit. But um, but those are my kids. And uh, just as God has adopted us, and, you know, you made a good point there, that uh, we are his children. You know, there's no asterisk to that or anything. He's, he's adopted us fully as his children. And so it's just a way to reflect that to, um, 
to uh, mankind, really, and, and showing a little bit of that same love that he has for mm-hmm. us. Without, without reservation, with all the rights and privileges, and I, I think yeah. you, you did a beautiful way of describing that. And mm-hmm. like, I have, as you might imagine, I have sermons about adoption that I oh, will not yeah. preach yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> but, but essentially, what God has said to us is, "All that I have is yours now." Yeah, and right. that's a beautiful thing to be able it, to do for somebody. It really um, is, without reservation, to say, "No, you are my son." Yeah. Thank you for listening. For more about us. Check us out at truthseekers.org. There you'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.